0: Welcome you this morning to um, gather around the Word of God as we always do. And we're going to resume our study of Matthew today. We kind of took a week off to talk about elders. We find ourselves in the 13th chapter of Matthew, and allow me to set the stage for today's text. I want to explore uh, kind of the context of our story, how we've gotten here, by, by really backing up to chapter 12, and just kind of get us all caught up. In Matthew chapter 12, everything happened on the Sabbath. And Matthew chapter 12 was all about these conflicts between Jesus and the Pharisees. And at the end of chapter 12, if you remember, Jesus is in a home in Capernaum. It doesn't say whose home, but there's a good chance it's probably Peter's home there in Capernaum. And and what's happening is that the crowd is filed into the the house, and they're probably packed really tightly around the windows and the doors, and Jesus is sharing the gospel with that crowd there. And if you remember... This is where Jesus' mother and his brothers show up. And they try to pull Jesus away from his ministry. And, and why were they doing that? Well, they were doing that because Jesus was, more than likely because they, they realized he was angering dangerous people. His conflict with the Pharisees was becoming dangerous. And um, a man comes into the house and he says, um, he kind of interrupts Jesus' teaching saying, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want you to come out and see them. And, and do you remember what Jesus said? He said, uh, "Who are my mothers and brothers?" And, and he kind of points over to his disciples, saying, "Whoever does the will of my Father is my mother and my brother." Now, make no mistake: this was Jesus preaching to the crowd when he says this. This isn't—he's not saying this to disrespect his mother. He's actually sharing with those who have been followed, following him around that if they want to be part of his family. Uh, They have to do it by the will of God. All they have to do is is follow the Father's will, which by the way means to believe in Jesus and to repent in their sins. So he's kind of sharing the gospel with them. And that's kind of how, excuse me, as a section chapter 12 ends, his his mother and brothers were out there. He didn't go out there. He shared the gospel with those inside. And, And as chapter 13 begins... Jesus walks out of that house, and apparently it's kind of a, a coastal house there in Capernaum. We know Capernaum would be uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And he goes out onto the shore, and a great crowd follows Jesus out there, and Jesus gets into a boat, and he pushes off. You know, uh, we've always heard that people would would teach on boats because the water really carried the voice, and it gave him some space. And, and, and chapter 13, then, is going to be um, one of those great sections of of. Of Jesus' teaching, you get a lot of a lot of his different teachings there. But he's going to begin to teach in a um, in kind of an unusual way. Matthew 13 begins uh, Jesus' use of parables, and and we talked about what parables were the last time we were together, and uh, and we talked about why Jesus used parables. So let's review, shall we? Let's look at Scripture, Matthew 13. 10 through 11, it says this. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered them, To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, He speaks in parables in order to reveal truth to some folks, while at the same time concealing truth. From others, he said, he said, to some it has been given to know the, the things of heaven, and to others it has not been given to know the things of heaven. And, and listen, I think that that idea shocks some people. Because I think people who don't know their Bible well believe that Jesus spoke in parables in order to make it easier to understand what he was saying the way, the way that a teacher might use an illustration. But, but that's simply not what Jesus says. What he tells us why he does it. He says, "But I do so because to some it has been given to know, and to some it has not been given to know. The, the, the parables sort of group people into two groups. Those who it has been given to know, and those to whom it has not been given to know. And the last time we were in Matthew, if you remember two weeks ago... We heard the first parable of Matthew 13, and, and it, one of those famous ones, it was, it's the parable of the sower. And if you remember the parable of the sower, um, a sower goes out and scatters some seed. And the seed falls on, on four kinds of soil. Do you remember the soils? We had a, a hard-packed soil, a rocky soil, a soil that was full of thorns, and eventually the fourth kind was, a, was the good soil. So, so I find this interesting. Three kinds of bad soil, one kind of good soil. And if you remember kind of the way this works, Jesus is the sower and he's sowing the gospel message, the the message of the kingdom coming. And and these different soils, they were like different kinds of people and, and, and the four different reactions based on the soil of their heart. And just an observation, but I don't know, I find it very interesting, and maybe you do too. that that three out of the four reactions to the gospel of Jesus Christ are negative. And only one of the soils described here bears fruit. You see, Jesus knew that everyone would not believe. And, and, And we go back to last week and just ask this question. Who does Jesus speak this parable to? Remember, he's on the boat, and he's speaking it to everyone, the entire crowd on the seashore. Everyone can hear the words of Jesus, but not everyone is going to understand this parable because it has not been given for all of them to know the meaning of it. And, and, in, and in verse 9 last week, Jesus ends the first parable by saying this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, if you're supposed to understand this, you will. And, and, and God only brings understanding by His Holy Spirit, and so if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you you're not going to understand the kingship of Jesus. Sometime later in this story that we read last week, Jesus explains the meaning of that parable, but he doesn't explain it to everyone. He explains it just to his disciples. Okay, so let me say this: the very same thing is going to happen today. Jesus is going to speak a parable to the crowd. And then Jesus is going to explain its meaning of the parable, but he's going to do it to the disciples in private. And and so I want to show you this. I want to read together. And we're going to have kind of two sections, and let me explain why. In Matthew 13... Uh, 24 through 30, Jesus gives the parable and then he's going to teach another parable and then he's going to explain uh, the parable that, that we're going to read in our first reading. So we're going to read a, the parable and then an, expl- an explanation, but we're going to skip a parable that happens in between when he gave the parable and gave an explanation. So we'll be reading 24 through 30 and 36 through 46. So I want to invite you if you're able to stand in reverence of the word of God read. And uh, let's take a moment and pause and pray. Father, um, it is our prayer that as your church and as we are gathered, we honor you in the reading of your word. You have you've been so gracious and loving to us by revealing yourself to us by your word. And, and Father, even more so to those in this room who you've been gracious enough to fill by your Holy Spirit that we might understand So, Father, we pray this morning for the the work of that Holy Spirit that brings understanding. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. All right, well, let's begin reading in verse 24. Um, He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, an an enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest... In gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Beginning in verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are angels. Church, the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So here's the first thing to wrap our heads around this morning. Um, When Jesus told the parable of the sower last week, about, or two weeks ago, about the four different kinds of soil, uh, he was explaining the reaction of the kingdom And the disciples had observed this. The disciples had seen Jesus' preaching rejected over and over again. And I think the question is, how do you think that it would make the disciples feel to believe in their hearts that Jesus was the Messiah, to see him do the miraculous, to have such an assurance of who he is, and an allegiance and a love of him, and know that he is the Messiah, and yet watch the Pharisees insult and reject him? How would you think that that makes the disciples feel? I think they sensed a great injustice, right? I think they felt injustice. I think what they wanted from Jesus was him to immediately establish his reign on earth and and to really do what he had been prophesied to do, which is to judge the world. They're ready for it. mm, Get them, Jesus. I think that's how they felt. And um, we talked a few weeks back about John the Baptist, and we saw that, that John, when he was in prison, was also curious why Jesus had not kind of begun to do some of the things that John had prophesied about. Like, I think John felt a great sense of injustice. Here I am, dying at the hands of King Herod in prison. Jesus, you were supposed to judge the world. Look at what John said in Matthew 3, 11 through 12. John, John the Baptist prophesied this, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me Is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now listen. Here's the prophecy. I just want you to hear this. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Isn't this prophecy really similar to this parable? don't you begin to see a foreshadowing in there? John is speaking as a prophet of God. The words that John are speaking are 100% true. And that is why when he's in prison, he's sensing injustice. It is 100% true that Jesus will judge the living and the dead. John says that the Messiah will have the winnowing fork in his hand and he will separate the wheat and the chaff and he will put wheat in the barns, but the chaff will go into the fire. And listen, just a reminder, when, when the Bible talks about the harvest, the harvest, it's always talking about judgment day. And when it talks about fire, it's describing the righteous and deserved wrath of God upon sinners. So here's the point. I think today's parable is complex. I, I think it's awesome. I, like this is, like if you love the Bible, you, you got to love the depths of this parable, uh, I think what Jesus is explaining has to do with delayed judgment. There there is judgment delayed here. Jesus isn't immediately judging all of creation upon his arrival. Uh, But but I think that this parable at the same time is a reminder that judgment's coming. Let's look at the parable together. Let's see if we can make it make sense. Verse 24. uh, He put another parable before them saying... The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Uh, and you see some similarities between the first parable of the, uh, the, the sower and this parable of what is generally this one we're reading is generally called the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? You can see some ser- similarities between the two. Uh, there, there, are, there are seeds that are sown in soil, but this time it's not random Right. This time, it's very much under control. The sower is sowing good quality seed in his own personal field, which he has prepared in the proper way. He owns the field; he can guarantee the quality of the seed that he has sown. Uh, but look at verse twenty-five. It says this: "But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away." So uh, the owner of the field has done good work, and. Uh, and, and 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 the resting here is, is, is Sabbath rest. It's, it's, it's godly rest. And, and, and when his men are resting from their labors, his enemy comes to his fields and, and he plants in his fields weed and weeds. And, and he, he doesn't just scatter one or two. He, he scatters the weeds all throughout the, the field. It's pervasive. And it might seem like a crazy thing to do. But it was um it was semi-common occurrence in that time. You could Ruin the livelihood of one of your enemies by destroying their harvest. I mean, this is akin to agricultural sabotage, my friends. Um, Sometimes they would sow weeds. Sometimes if you wanted to uh, attack your enemy, you would go to his uh, field and you would sow salt in his field to kill all of his crops. Uh, Where was it? Was it... um, was it the grove? Or was it someone poisoned all the trees a while back of the, the enemy's field? Yeah, yeah. We begin to see that, that story of, of, of agricultural sabotage. And it was so common, actually, for this to happen, that the Romans had created laws about it. About, about what kind of prosecution would follow that kind of action. Um, in this parable, the, the crop that's being planted by the master is Wheat right? It's wheat. That's what, he, that's what he's planting. And, and, um, and the weed that is being imagined to be planted here is called a darnel. Have you ever heard of a darnel? Um, the tricky thing about the darnel weed is that uh, until wheat produces grain, like if it was planted along with it, it, it would be almost impossible to, to tell the two apart, to tell a, a, a stalk of wheat and a darnel weed until it came to the maturity level where it began to produce grain, the two would look exactly the same. It would be almost impossible to know for the farmer to know that his field had been infiltrated until it t- came time to produce grain. He, he would probably walk out and think, wow, the harvest looks really, really good this year. It's like, it's like twice as much seed is planted until the time where it begins to bear grain. So look at verses 26 and 27. It says so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the wheat. Then when they bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the masters of the house came and said to him, Master, did, did, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? Now listen, you're always going to have a few weeds. Even if even if you had a bag of good seed back then, there was going to be a few darnels in there. Uh, but this was different. This was pervasive weeds throughout the field, and they can't figure out, but the, but the master knows exactly what's happened. Verse 28, he said to them, an enemy's done this. So the servant said to him, uh, then do you want us to go and gather them? The master knows this is the malicious work of an enemy, and as they stand back and look over the field, it's devastating. In my mind, it's almost 50% or 60% weeds. And what are the master's workers? What were the servants of the on the field ask him? What, they, they ask him, Do you want us to go and gather them? In other words, do you want us to go and, and pick up all the weeds by hand? What a job. Can you, can you imagine going through a field and having to pluck up all of those weeds? Look what the master says, verse 29. But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Isn't that interesting? In other words, the wheat and the weeds are, are so closely planted that if you went and you tried to pluck up the weeds, you would end up uprooting and destroying what? The wheat. What a tremendous parable this is, right? How interesting. Instead, the master says this, verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. When you hear harvest, what should you think? Judgment. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at judgment, harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. You, my friends, and I have been planted in this world by the master of the harvest. And you will one day be gathered and you will be judged. What exactly does this parable mean? What does it have to say about judgment? Well, that's what the disciples wanted to know. And so they asked him a little bit later in verse 36. Look at that. Then he left the crowds and he went back into the house And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Uh, Once again, I just want to point out that the crowds don't get this explanation. Uh, For them it's not to know. Jesus goes into the house. He he leaves the shore. He goes back into the house. Presumably back to the house that he was at at the end of chapter 12. Presumably that's Peter's house. And, And his disciples are asking for an explanation. So let's take a look at what Jesus says. Verse 35. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The son of man is is the name that Jesus uses to refer to himself. More more than any other name in Matthew, when Jesus talks about himself, he says the son of man. So Jesus is um, the one that sows the good seed. Verse 38, let's continue reading. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Um, just real quick, because you can get confusing between these two parables. What was the seed last time? The seed in the parable of the sower was the gospel message. The seed in this one seems to be the sons of, of, of God, the sons of the kingdom, right? And then and the bad seed is the sons of, uh, of the evil one. So, um, Uh, The field is the world, Jesus says. The good seeds are the son of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Notice this. There are no other categories of seeds. When it comes to the harvest, it's binary, right? There is, you're either wheat or you're weeds. There's nothing else planted in the field. You're either one or you're the other. A son of the kingdom or a son of the evil one. Now remember just recently Jesus said, um, who are my mothers and my brothers and thus family? uh, And and thus, he's basically saying, who are the the sons of the kingdom? And and we we learned that he said to us, those who do the will of the Father are are my mothers and my brothers. And and remember, what, what is the will of the Father? Do you remember that? John 640. For this is the will of my Father. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Okay, so, so here's my point. You want to know how to tell if you are a wheat or you are weed. Have you looked at the biblical testimony of Jesus and believed that Jesus is the Son of God, and the Spirit made it so that you loved Him? Has that happened for you? and and, and not just that you loved him, but but then you hated your sin and you wanted to follow him and you wanted to to live by his rule and not your own. That's what it means to be a son of the kingdom. It's what it means to have the spirit inside of you and to be wheat. Everyone else, this is very simple, everyone else who does not fall into that category in all of the world is a weed. You might not like that. That might sound in tolerant. If so, you are welcome to create your own world by the power of your word. And when you create that world, you can judge it how you like. But the God who created this world is telling us about judgment. And the way Jesus describes it is that you are either wheat or you are weeds, sons of the kingdom or sons of the devil. Jesus says, uh, the weeds are the sons of the evil one, right? Let's continue from there verse 39 and the enemy who sowed them is the devil the harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels I, I think that we always have to avoid trying to build our theology from minor details we find in parables um, parables are stories to explain the kingdom and, and we should always pay attention to the main points um, here's an example. In in the parable from last week, the seed that was sown was the gospel. You know, what's the seed that was sown this week? It's people, good people by the master or Jesus, and bad people by the enemy of the devil. The point is not that the devil is the creator of bad people. Like, if if you use that to kind of be your theological base, you'd be wrong. It's not that the devil can sneak in and, and plant bad people in the world while God was asleep. That's that would be creating bad theology off of minor details of a parable. God does not sleep. The point is uh, that the source of evil inside the wicked men is the devil. Just as the source of every good thing that we do is God's Holy Spirit. And verse 39 says, the harvest is the end of the age. It's the second coming of Jesus, right? It's, it's the great day of judgment. Uh, The reapers, Jesus tells us, are angels. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if you've thought about that, the the role the angels play in Judgment Day. And the beautiful thing about Scripture, you know, we, we went back and we saw John prophesying about something, right? John the Baptist. And uh, it, I love how it all fits together. Don't you love that? That, like, you can take it all and it's like loose puzzle pieces, but then in the right hands and with the Spirit moves, it all comes into place. And we, we saw how John's prophesying about the great harvest day. Jesus is telling a parable about it. But look what happens in the book of Revelation when a different John talks about judgment day. We're going to look at Revelation 14, 14 through 16. and It says this, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man. Hmm. Jesus, he's the master of the lamb. That's who's being described here. Let's keep reading. With a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, um, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Guys, this is judgment day all told through the idea of the harvest. Do you see it in all these different places? This is the great illustration of Judgment Day. It's the day of harvesting all people. Verses 41 through 43, read with me. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So let me uh, make a few observations about our text. I think that the main point of, of the parable is to remind the listeners that judgment day is delayed from their expectations right when God had intended it but it's also inevitable and it seems that the reason that the Lord is delaying judgment has something to do here's the deal if you ask why is he delaying judgment it has something to do with his care for the wheat his care for his people remember the workers say to the master there are weeds out there Um, do you want us to go and gather them and what does the master say Verse 19, remind ourselves, but he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Have you ever had a conversation about why God allows wicked men to exist? I know I've had one about mosquitoes. Um, I, I believe I've, I've had some about wicked men. You know, you see some of the worst men in the world, you're like, why doesn't God just smite them from the beginning? Send his angels and just wipe them out. I think this parable gives us some answer to that question. The earth is the Lord's and everything therein. And you and I have been planted on God's earth. And it's God's will that you and I would grow and mature and we would bear fruit. And in this parable grain, but right beside you planted in the same world, all around there are other plants and some are weeds and some are wheat? We just go through the world beside us. Wheat, weed, wheat, weed. And, and how can you tell the difference between wheat and weed, right? Well, you, you can at first. That's the point, right? It's you can't tell at first. What 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 allows you to finally tell the difference between wheat and weed? Eventually, wheat bears grain, right? It bears its fruit. Listen, we look around the world, and and maybe we can't tell who's wheat and who's weed, but Scripture continues to tell us over and over that you can tell, and Jesus, we've been in this for a long time, you can tell a tree by its fruit. And you can tell wheat from weed by its grain. And and what is Christian fruit? What does that mean? I'm just going to remind you, I think most of you know this, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This, my friends, these qualities in your life are evidences that you are wheat. Is your life bearing fruit? Are you growing in love? Do you have a joy from knowing that God holds all things together? Are you a peaceful person? Just go down that list. Now back to the question. Here's the question. Why does God allow wicked men to exist? Well, according to the parable, if God was to pluck up all the wicked men and he was to throw them in the fires before the judgment day or before the day of harvest, even he used to do this early, in some way, which I don't know that I fully understand, picking the weeds damages the wheat. Or another way to say that is it might cause harm to God's people if God was to allow his angels to pour forth his wrath on unrepentant sinners before judgment day. Do you see that? Jesus says, don't gather them now, lest in gathering the wheat you root up the wheat along with them. So what then? Jesus says, "Is a great way for us to understand the world and evil men and why we have to live together. Let them grow together until the harvest. So we live together, wheat and weeds, until the harvest. I think a good question for you in in the midst of this is, do you trust Jesus? Do you think he knows what he's doing? Jesus believes that it's better for you to grow up together with the weeds than to risk pouring his wrath upon them in this present age. And maybe there's some hope for you today. Maybe God desires that you who have never repented would today in this room repent of your sins and place your trust upon Jesus and begin to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in keeping with repentance. But know this, and we'll say this in closing. This parable reminds us that the day of the harvest is coming. No one will avoid the Lord's reapers on that day. Those who belong to the master, it says, will, will, will have placed their faith in Christ Jesus as Lord, and they'll be gathered together by the angels, and they will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, it says. But those who deny Jesus, who refuse to submit to his rule in their hearts, they will be gathered together and burned, and there will be great weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let all who have ears to hear, hear. This has been the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, let's pray together. Um, Father, this, this parable gives us, um, in one way, great hearts of thankfulness, knowing that um, the love that we have in our heart for you is not common. There are four kinds of seed or or soils that the seed of the hope of the gospel could have fallen in. And and for us that love you, Lord, we know that that it's rare that your spirit has has made our hearts alive to that. Um, Father, our hearts burn for the nations. Our hearts burn for our neighbors who do not know you. And by your will, Father, we ask that you would empower us to be sowers of the seeds of the gospel within our communities and with our neighbors God and you would be gracious that as we grow up together some of those that we thought might have been weeds would surprise us by sprouting grain and bearing fruit for your glory we pray these things and all Christ's people said amen